0: What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 63 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host who will be joining us shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this week's episode, after Mike and I get all caught up, we'll talk about throne height and how adjusting the height of your throne can actually affect your playing. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Paul Wandke from the band Trivium. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out the Peisty 26-inch giant beat ride symbol. We'll get to a bunch of listener questions, we'll give you our pick of the week, and we'll announce the winner of last week's content test so let's get started oh buddy can you tell that I have a cold yeah that seems like everyone kind of got hit this week yeah I've, I've staved it off I just stay away from people in general yeah I've been trying to do that with my camps I got one of those glass shields from the uh, from the question <laughs> last week <clears throat> excuse me so yeah uh, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much ready to record holy crap <clears throat> I'll cut that out <laughs> Uh, I I think I'm ready to to record like a, a ram a Dodge Ram truck commercial. Yeah, you've got that right? Marlboro man kind of gutter yeah. guttural thing. Yeah. Hey, drumming. Welcome to the Modern Drummer podcast. Let's Coors.
1: talk about the Gretsch Black
0: Dog <laughs> Swamp fourteen Swampin by dog. nine and a half swamp dog solid oak, cherry, maple, mahogany snare drum. It's got so, a yeah. smoky flavor. <laughs> so, anyways, I apologize. Also, let's talk about the intro, which you haven't even heard yet. But I recorded the intro earlier this morning, and you might notice that the drums sounded way different. And that is two microphones overhead and then a ribbon in front of my kick drum. Beautiful. And I squashed the hell out of it with a uh, plugin called. Let me pull up the plugin because it's got a great plugin name. Uh, it's from the, the slate plugins, uh, from the virtual mix rack system. It's called the monster. All right. And the, the monster. It's like you put it on and instantly. You're like, wait, am I John Bonham? So, uh, <laughs> it's like, it just squashes everything, but it, it gave it a really cool sound. And we were, uh, some of the campers, I'm in the middle of my last camp of the year. And some of the campers were asking about, uh, compression and so I said, well, let me overcompress something so you can hear how it sounds. And instantly, everybody was like, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's what squash drums sounds like. They're pretty <laughs> cool. Um, so, so anyway, so that's what the intro was, just in case you were wondering. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. No complaints, except for I hate the changing weather. I got
1: to get out to the East Coast, man. Hey. It's like I love early fall. I love late spring. I hate summer. I hate winter. And I, and I think the summers and winters just get longer on the yeah. East Coast. Yeah. Like Especially as you get older and more crotchety. Yeah. Um, so we're starting to teeter into the winter already. I mean, a couple of years ago, we had like six inches of snow on Halloween.
0: Wow. That was awesome. Okay. Wow. No, no, it's not. No. Yeah. Uh, I, don't. I need to get off the East Coast. Oh, man. Well, we're here when you're ready. Uh, <laughs> there is always the threat, according to people on the East Coast, that we're going to fall into the ocean. But other than that, it's yeah, a good yeah. state. I, I think, think California's that's, that's a... just wishful thinking for, for East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are just so pissed at how happy we are. Like, it can't be perfect. You're going to fall into like the ocean. We, like San Francisco just got knocked out of the playoffs, and they still sprayed champagne on each other. They're like, hey, man, still a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's cool. So we're not going to the World Series. Big deal. We've won three of the last six. It's all good. Oh, uh, good times do you follow baseball at all yeah i'm a. well i mean it's it's tough being in the new york area because i
1: don't really care for the yankees or the mets i'm, okay. a, I'm an orioles and a nationals fan
0: oh and because that's where you're from right yeah so at least i've got the nats okay so who knows what'll happen I, i'll be so nationals against man. the happy la dodgers exactly <laughs> you're be like well we lost but at least we're here <laughs> hollywood versus congress <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. Fantastic, man. That's good. Good. Well, I, I wish, since I don't care, all I care about when it comes, and I'm a huge sports fan, I care about good sport, but I don't have any, I, I live in Sacramento. Not a big Kings fan, so yeah, I, have, yeah. I don't have a team. I love good sport. I don't watch, I only use baseball to help me fall asleep all year long, but once it's playoffs, I'm in. It's intense. It's intense. Absolutely. Yeah. Every pitch counts. Every hit counts. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, probably the only time that being a manager even matters in baseball. They yeah. actually make calls that could change the um, there's outcome. There's some of bad mistakes, the Orioles right?
1: lost because of a bad. I mean, a, in hindsight, it was a terrible managerial decision, mm-hmm. but it was the most
0: logical decision. But it cost them the game. Exactly. When you when you're referencing your sheet, it's yeah. like, well, this is what to do on paper, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't always pan That's out because there's baseball, human beings. It's
1: a, it's a weird game. I gotta ask Absolutely. you, did you see the uh, what's his face, the tennis player, Kyrios? No, Did but I saw that? the meltdown. He just
0: stopped playing. Okay, literally I, didn't see just I saw like a playing. blurb about it. So what happened?
1: I didn't see the match. I just saw the highlights. But I guess okay. he just decided he didn't want to play anymore. And he just stopped swinging the racket in the middle of the match. So he didn't oh, like, retire. Oh, and let the match keep going. Yeah, he didn't retire from injury or fake a knee, you know, knee injury. He just, he just lost decided, as fast as possible. Yeah, and he was serving. I believe he was serving underhanded like a 10-year-old would. Oh,
0: my god now
1: here's the my biggest problem with that is this guy is a professional athlete right he's being paid a lot of money and getting a lot of endorsements and people are paying a lot of money to go to these tournaments and <laughs> this guy's <laughs> he just decided oh, i'm done i'm done today dude i think it's that, really
0: unacceptable i tried to think of like yeah. how would you relate that to a, <clears throat> being a professional drummer i mean if i just came out to let's say that uh, we had a drum festival I come out with my glockenspiel I play Mary Had a Little Lamb for 45 minutes and then I just wave and bail <laughs> that would be the same thing you know and it's like fine just for you techno kids out there I'll play Mary Had a Little Lamb in 7-8 but I still gotta go and then yeah. I'm out yeah man <clears throat> wow I, I saw that and I was like oh man I, I mean I think he did get fined but if I was
1: an endorser of him I oh be like, uh, yeah game, uh, game over on. game over in fact give me that money back that I gave you <laughs>
0: We're sending Mike with his smoky voice over there to pick up the the cash out of the briefcase we sent you. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's get started. So uh, first thing I wanted to talk about is chair height. It is something, or throne height, um, something that I think actually impacts how you play the instrument quite a bit. But I don't think there's the right way to do it because I think that is based off of who you are. And every time I've sat at one of my buddy's drum sets that was a professional drummer sure enough they sit way different than I do even if they're the same height as me Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering if there if there is any benefit to sitting tall or sitting low and then or is it just however you choose to sit and however it's comfortable for you your body will figure out how to make it work do you have first of all do you care about your seat height I mean I, I do to
1: a degree I don't okay. like it to be so low that I feel like I'm kneeing myself in the face, and I don't right. like to be so high that I feel like I'm falling forward. But in between there, it it fluctuates a lot depending on the gig, the room, the volume, all that stuff. It's kind. And when you changing. say
0: it fluctuates, do you mean you actually choose to fluctuate it, or yeah. do you, or do, okay, I do. And but in the same time, if
1: if I you know have a quick changeover at a club date, and I don't, I mean I just sit down and play. Generally, right. the throne is going to be in a spot where I'm not I'm not kneeing myself in the face. That's the biggest concern, if it's too low and I'm, I just can't get my legs to move right. And you're kind of tall, right? What are you, 6'3"? Six, 6'2", six, yeah. 6'2". Yeah, so it's just it's a little bit taller on average, so I tend to sit a little bit higher. Um, I had a funny experience over the last weekend. Um, I didn't realize that I had the throne extended as high as it could go, basically. Oh, boy. So by the end of the second set, the... I guess it was just kind of rocking enough. It broke the bracket that was holding, that holds oh. the spindle on. So it, oh it collapsed. Like I, I almost fell off the drums.
0: Oh my at, gosh. In the, that in is awesome. The
1: middle of the gig. And luckily I was able to just thread the throne in a couple turns and it would hold enough. But it's broken. My throne is broken. <laughs> but that, that kind of threw me off because it, it went from being really comfortable to just a little too low. Just a little too low. Okay. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was eating the floor tom hoops and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So every, I think it's, and I think the genre that was more of like a, a top forty gig. So it's a lot of bass drum, real, real heavy bass drum playing. Okay. Um, If I'm playing more of a jazz or any kind of more subtle music, I tend to favor to be higher. So I'm over the kit, and I feel like I can be more sensitive that way. The bass drum isn't as as strong and, and prominent. Rock and roll, I'm usually a little bit lower, but. I think it's probably the same as as you. I kind of just like my legs
0: to be parallel or slightly above parallel. There you go. You know, it. I <clears throat> I find, by the way, for everybody that's... <clears> oh, <throat> my God. For everybody that has to listen to this, I'm so sorry. This show is I was sponsored gonna, by Ricola. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to cancel this one just because I know since it's... I Energy-wise, I'm fine. I can teach a drum camp, but since this is only audio, <laughs> it's like maybe we should cancel, but I since we only do it once a week and people tell me all the time, they're like, what's the deal? It came out at 1234 on Friday. And I'm like, damn, calm down. We're doing our best, man. (laughs) It's not like we get paid to do this. Like we have jobs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm in the middle of teaching eight people from around the world. Um, so anyways, uh, sorry about that. But one thing that's funny is my drum throne height is actually more relative to my drum set than it is to my personal height. So, And I don't do it on purpose, but every time a a student asks, hey, where do you have your throne? How tall is your throne? I always look at my kit, and for some reason, my throne, no matter what, is always the top of my throne, is at the exact same height as the bottom rim of my snare drum. I have never even looked at that. That's interesting. Every time. So I visually see the drum set exactly the same, no matter how short or tall it is. My eyes to tom oh. ratio my eyes to symbol ratio are always identical now what and happens so I, if it's not you have to change it yeah yeah i can't huh. i i just see the drum set a certain way and i see it from the top down i don't you know when i sit at somebody's uh kit like uh Vic from Vic's drum shop you know mm-hmm. he has that monster drum set yeah so he has that monster drum set that goes up already but he's also sits pretty low i can't sit like that and look like i'm underneath the drum set playing up to it i have to look at it like a producer looking down on the drum set and there's all these options for me as i'm looking down on it interesting Um, but i can't sit too tall because just like you said then i feel like i'm on my tippy toes i'm almost falling forward but i have you know when i went from my 22 10 16 kit which was a bit taller because it had a 22 inch bass drum uh when i went from that to my 20 inch bass drum my 12 inch rack tom uh the distance between my the top of my throne and the bottom of my snare has never changed. It's pretty weird. That's interesting. The
1: other, other weird mm-hmm. thing I've noticed is even if I start out with my seat super high, just over the course of the gigs or the weeks, it just works its way back down to parallel. <laughs> just spin. It, <laughs> it just, spin just works a couple times its way, way around. around. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't. consciously change it, but it just right. over time
0: it kind of gets back to that spot where it's supposed to be
2: almost yeah.
1: every time. It's yeah, I think
0: it's it, that's one thing when. Um, Because so many different people play my drum set at camp all year long, there's other people. I I let them know. First of all, you can never move my drums ever. Like I want you to get used to sitting down and playing a drum set, but you can move the throne as much as you want. That's why we have a hydraulic throne here. I'm not a huge fan of hydraulic thrones unless you're a teacher and it's for the student kit, and they're always adjusting it. Yeah, it's better than doing the spinning thing, and then it eventually strips. but, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, every time someone sits on my kit, they've already changed my throne, so I have to redo it. And I don't, I don't measure. I don't do anything. It always ends up top of the throne, bottom of the snare. I'm Weird. going to have to see if mine is that way as well. Or
2: probably just see like,
0: see, like, over the next five gigs, is it always in the same place relationship-wise to your snare drum? Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, actually, I've, I've noticed more recently that um, my snare is probably too low. Because sometimes I feel like I'm punching between my legs. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, so, it, which is just weird. I think I, I think it just again is from growing up, just being a little bit taller than most people, and just having to play drums that are a little bit awkward. Like I've right. also noticed that my hi hat, because of my snare positioning, my hi hat leg ends up bowing out to the side, like in a, just an unnecessary mm. way. Yeah, it's just it's just silly it is, little yeah.
0: things that just over the years have become habit. I just noticed actually that. My snare drum is encroaching too close to my bass drum pedal, which is making – I actually bow out my bass drum foot. And I'm like, this Uh can't be good. Like, I'm kind of leaning my thigh to the side to make – and it's like, this is silly. Just move it over two inches. But then when I do that, because my rack tom is now a part of my bass drum, I actually can't move my rack tom to the left then all of a sudden my snare is to the left of my rack tom by three inches and I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. So it's, we're so silly as drummers, man. Yeah, we're all quirky. That's
1: why I always put the rack tom on a snare basket or something separate.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to uh, have Gretsch send me just one of their, whatever those uh, rims mount systems are for, Mm. you know, uh, just because I want to get it back onto the the crash symbol stand, so yep. that I can move it in and out. So, okay. So, last question on this: Do you have a preference as far as throne top? Are you a rock and sock guy? Are you a Carmichael guy? Um, or you just grab a throne?
1: It doesn't really matter. I mean, the the kind of cheaper budget thin round ones like really beat my butt up, and after a while, like I can't use those. Um, sure, I can use them for like a forty-five minute set, but if it's a three set night, by the end of the night, my tailbone is just just yeah. beating me up so <clears throat> i would prefer the um what do they call them the bicycle seat the the, the oh yeah. motorcycle yep. style mm-hmm. i just prefer that i think it's because that's a little bit higher than normal and the round seats tend to cut off circulation yeah. i use the um the ahead spinal g which has a small channel not the giant channel that's on the Carmichael. okay and again that that's strictly because i have chronic tailbone issues Got it. And that helps. But yeah, I'm not super picky. I don't like the extremely cushy ones because I feel like I'm kind of bouncing or I'm playing on the couch. Right. But anything that's just kind of normal, firm, yeah. firm soft, you. but not too soft, not super oversized. You know, <laughs> it's, I'm not that picky. I just don't yeah. like sitting on those
0: cheap <clears throat> metal plate ones. Those are oh, ones that drive me. Yes. Nice. Those are rough. Those are rough, yeah. man. I feel you. Cool, man. All right. Well, let's get into our featured drummer. <clears throat> Excuse me, once again, our featured drummer this time. I'm not even going to try to say his last name because I'll butcher it. So it's Paul. Wandakey. Wow, I was going to be way off. I'm really <laughs> glad I didn't take a chance. Okay. I Paul... think that's right. <laughs> I was going to go with Wandakey. Wandakey? It might be Wandakey. Wand-a-t-a-key. Wandakey. Wandakey. <laughs> We're crushing it. We got it, man. We got it. Paul Wandakey. So. <laughs> Good old P-Dub is <clears throat> the drummer for a band called Trivium. Yep. And you guys featured him this time in the current issue of Modern Drummer with yep. good old Will Calhoun on the front. Yep. And Paul is definitely – now, have other people had the the throne in Trivium before? Yeah, I think uh, – Right. I think it okay. might be. He might Travis Orbin. or th- – yeah,
1: n- n- No. No, it was – I can't remember. But he's not, okay.
0: he's not a founding member. It's a recent, uh, a recent move. So, yeah, I think I had something in my head just from knowing the name and knowing the band's name. And then when I started researching him today, I was really impressed. At, like, he's got that old school rocker vibe of somebody that could easily play in Zach Wilde's band. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. But he has the clarity and the double bass chops of somebody that's in a modern metal band. Yep. So it was a really cool combination because it wasn't the little little like i'm demeaning it it wasn't the like super tactitional metal drummer that barely moves and everything is flawless he's like a straight up metal rock drummer but yeah. he can play all the stuff from modern day metal it was really cool man yeah he's a, he's a pro i it, it's actually a great
1: story because i met paul when i first started the magazine 10 12 years ago he was when i first took over the um on the move column which we used okay. to run which was on the move was basically readers could submit their uh Press kits, and then we would pick some to to feature in the magazine. So, he was one of my first on the move uh, featured artists, and then he went on to just he started. I think he started doing cruise ship gigs, and really, uh, maybe he did um, a Cirque du Soleil or some kind of a Broadway tour, Rock of Ages. Maybe he was the drummer okay. in that. So he's been working wow. his, his butt off, and then he. He was in Kilhanna for a while and then he decided oh, okay. he was going to just lead his own band so he started like a Nirvana tribute band where he was singing and playing guitar. Right. And he's written some articles for us so he, his career has just progressed and grown and grown and now he's landed this, you know, a gig with a big national act. Yes. Yeah. you know, he's not a he's not a you know, a flash in the pan kind of guy. He's been slogging it out for a better part of a decade. And and I'm so happy that he landed this gig. And
0: he's a monster. I mean, he he it. he and he's a really nice guy Absolutely. too. I see him
1: at NAMM every year. He's very nice. So.
0: That's cool. It's it says that uh, his first gig with them uh, in 2015. Uh, his debut gig was to 40,000 people um, at, at Notfest. Fest, and so that's pretty awesome. Uh, hey, welcome to our band. Our first gig is 40,000 people. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I was <clears throat> excuse me. I was really. Surprised when I started, like I said, researching him. Fantastic player, uh, and like you said, knowledgeable, and he can do all the education stuff. He also does uh, drum lessons and online drum lessons. Uh, so the, I, I will say this. His his website probably has the best content. If you just want to scale it down and find out all about him, um, definitely check out his website. And I'm not wrapping this up right now, but I'm just on his website. It's just paulwanakee.com. Uh, and his last name is spelled W A N D T K E. And you can find out his bio. You can check out the the band that uh, Mike was talking about. Smells like Nirvana. I'm assuming that's the band. Yeah, yeah. That was his like tribute band. Yeah. Um, and so he's the singer and guitar player of that. Yeah, exactly. What a stud. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know what, I, I liked him when we started Tom. and I'm starting to get annoyed. <laughs> I can't do half this stuff. I think he also did a
1: Tama uh, video for their pedals when they released their Speed okay. Cobras again. So there's, there's some great footage
0: on their site of him just ripping some double bass. Wow, that's so cool. So he's done a musical, because he's done Rock of Ages. He's led his own band as a singer and guitar player. Yep. He's now the drummer in one of the biggest metal bands in the world. Yep. And, he, and he's written for Modern Drummer. Yep. And uh Mike Mangini of Dream Theater was the
1: one who recommended him to, to Trivium.
0: How annoying is that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Like I that's said, huge. he's
1: been he's been working it. he's been climbing the ladder for the good he north deserves of a decade. It. I mean it's a classic Absolutely. story of work your ass off, be a professional, be a good guy, play keep the drums, your head down,
0: keep, and, and you'll get gigs, they'll come. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. So he's a Tama artist. Uh is he a minor guy? It seems like he's got a lot of minor yeah, stuff on his I'm kit. pretty
1: Sure, he is, yep. Yeah.
0: Yep, wow. he's using the uh m b20 line mostly yeah he is those <laughs> things those are those are some you got to be a man to play those symbols <laughs> uh that's so cool man i'm I'm really looking forward to talking to Chris Brewer over at Meinl just about Paul because he always gives me great insight on these guys as people yeah because um, the, the last thing that we ever talk I never call him and say like hey how's the left hand technique of Chris Coleman so we don't ever really talk about that stuff but I'm always interested in who these guys are as people not to mention who they are as people when they call their a and need something yeah right because there's the yo hook me up I deserve this you better give me some stuff and then there's the hey I just broke two cymbals is there any way you can replace it and the a is like yeah you're in a massive band we can replace your cymbals it's fine <laughs> but but it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah this guy's very respectful so I'm really looking forward to learning more about Paul so once again, guys, check out paulwandke. We could be butchering his last name. Let's hope we're not. Uh, and that's uh, paul w a n d t k e. dot You can check out all this stuff, including some amazing videos of him playing with his band. All right, let's get into some candy. So it is time for gear review. Talking about monsters, yeah, twenty six really. inches of bronze. That yeah. is dirty. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, the
1: Peisty 26 inch giant beat multi purpose symbol. <clears throat>
0: multi purpose. <laughs> wow. I mean, you could sleep on it. <laughs> yeah. You could do a lot of stuff with it. You could just put a handle on the back end of it and use it as a shield in, in Sparta. You could reflect any rays of sun that are coming towards you and, and kill your enemies in some <laughs> Archimedes torture device. You could Sorry, probably. These, uh, this, What's so Cap- going through my mind? You could probably capture alien conversations from it. If you just turn it upwards and then, yeah, attach a couple <laughs> diodes. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a fantastic. Okay. So reading your review, you you see a 26-inch symbol. You're thinking this thing's going to be uncontrollable. And then it says that it wasn't as bombastic as you thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a whole set of Giant Beats. I bought them when they
1: re-released them 12 years ago. I bought the whole set because I just loved them. I wanted that John Bonham classic sound. Uh, the 24 inch giant beat, although I love it, it's, it gets really washy. It kind of washes out really fast. So if you're not playing kind of bombastic rock or something, right, it's a little bit, you know, too thin, too too much so wash. You, I, so knowing that, you thought this would be even more. I thought fat. this would just be even a, a, a tidal wave of wash, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was actually kind of pingy. I think it's just a little heavier and, okay. and and I guess just having that much mass, it takes such a more powerful stroke to get it to wash out. So wow. it, it was a little bit more, I mean, I had more uh, control. I liked it. It was warmer, I guess, because the pitch is just lower compared okay. to the 24. Sure. It played great with the other giant beats. It wasn't like it was some anomaly oh, yeah. that didn't, you know, blend well. The bell sounded great. Um, I kind of, I, it took a minute to get used to that massive plate being on my kit, but after a yeah. while, it didn't feel like it was huge. Um, I wasn't like smashing my forearm on the, the edge or anything right.
0: like that. Right. So the, in the video, I haven't seen the video you did with it yet, but are you – so you're using all giant beats from your collection plus this symbol? Yeah, I think it's the 26 okay. – I think it's a 26 ride. I might have the 20 as the
1: crash and the 15 hi-hats. Nice. Yeah. It makes that 20 look like a 16 for sure. I bet, yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> and then um, – <clears throat> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, man. Maybe I, <laughs> yeah, I know maybe I should have canceled this anyways, so when you have that on twenty six twenty fifteen does that make you play different it doesn't it really doesn't I mean i the demo I,
1: I went for kind of like an immigrant song kind of a beat to kind of put it okay. in that mode, but the I think more the the uh, alloy of that series it's b eight alloy that makes me play differently because i can't yeah. I can't go into any kind of you know, nuanced jazz kind of a thing because it's right. yeah, They sound really musical and great, but it's all kind
0: of high mids and high end frequencies. Yeah. There's really, there's really no lows in these symbols at all. It's really pretty amazing what because nobody else even comes close to doing with B8 what Peisty has done. Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, that's yeah. that's just B8, everyone thinks is budget it's crap. entry level. Yeah. you know, gongy it's, stuff. It's 8% tin. For those of you guys that don't guys that don't know the B number, the, the B number, which bronze 8, it's 8% tin, 92% copper to make a, a bronze 8. Um, and so we associate a higher bronze number, like a B20 or a B25 even. That's like, oh, it's got to be better. It's got more tin in it. That's the precious metal. But yeah. Peisty has taken the B8 bronze. And, I mean, isn't the 2002 series B8 as well? Yeah, exactly. And the, yeah. big, the big beats are B8.
1: Which are su- really complex and and nuanced. So yeah, they're Leave working it. some magic with that stuff. Leave it to the Swiss. <laughs> and it's so cool that- because it's like when you take it in the studio, you don't have all that low hum to then EQ out of your overheads, which then makes your toms sound weaker. It's wow. just it's just gone. So it's yeah. a pretty cool sound for for rock or anything like that where you yeah. know, where you know you're going to be cutting a lot of that low end <laughs> out no matter what because you got you know heavy guitars and bass and stuff like that that's going to take all those frequencies. That's awesome, man. Really cool. I didn't take it any gigs because I would be like carrying in my 26 inch cymbal by itself. Like, hey, sure. Because I don't have a case that'll hold that. That's I think I heard that it'll fit in Pisces 24 inch cymbal bag.
0: Okay. Nice. Nice. Awesome, man. So, on that, are they releasing? Is this just a single release? They just added the 26 to the lineup, or did they release a bunch of stuff? No, that was to, it. They just added okay. that. And they also Got
1: added, it. which I reviewed in the same issue, 17 inch. Uh, hi-hats in the 2002 series the sound edge. sound edge yeah they they just expanded the sizes of of
0: those two series nice pretty cool i wonder just from what i know from being at peisty for a long time and now being a minel artist i wonder if these are product developments from inside the company or if these are responses to artists that need something bigger than what they have because most of minel's hits you know the, the things that people think of are responses to the artist asking for something that wasn't currently in the lineup i wonder yeah. about these you know
1: yeah i don't know I, I should look around and see who's using this 26 i would assume someone like maybe uh abe laborial jr or someone who's oh. playing arenas or
0: something is using these yeah giant- i could totally see abe playing that ride. yeah awesome well that's enough talking about it let's hear this thing <laughs> bring us in oh (laughs) yeah sorry uh
1: yes ghosts i'm good good. cold medicine (laughs) all right i guess that'll stay in so we're going to do some audio questions this week (laughs) the first one is coming from duncan smith so let's check it out
2: hello both my name's duncan uh, and i'm from england just like to say i love the show really appreciate your time and effort you put into it it's very incisive Very entertaining. Um, I've just discovered it, and I'm going back through all the old episodes. So you're doing a great service for a drummer who's had a bit of a break recently and just getting back into it, but thanks very much. My question is, what kind of thing would you expect an average working drummer to have down? Uh, I know Mike mentioned tempo control, subdivision, and dynamics being kind of the bedrock of what a good drummer should have but what would you expect the average decent working drummer to have down? So what kind of grooves should they know? Whereabouts in their kind of facility would you expect them to be? Um, If you recommend any resources that would be helpful. But yeah, where would you expect the average good working drummer to be? Obviously it's not necessary that they can keep up with like Thomas Lang and Jojo Mayer, but whereabouts would you expect them to be and how would you recommend that they get there? Thanks a lot. Bye. Mm
1: All right. Cool question, huh? Dude, it was awesome. Duncan, thanks so much, buddy. <clears throat> I mean, you want to dig deeper? I could probably give you something that might just answer it for both of us. Yeah, go for it. Buddy. I would say make, get a copy of Jim Riley's Survival Guide for the Modern Drummer, and if you can play all of those
0: styles and all of those songs, then you're ready to play gigs. I had like 92 sentences and now I can just say yes. That's exactly it. Cause you gotta be
1: yep. able to play styles. You gotta be able to play good feeling grooves and you gotta be able to navigate arrangements and that's it.
0: And 15 minutes early is on time. <laughs> right. Yeah, Always true. be early. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So I think everyone should get that. It's
1: a good, that book is a good barometer for like what, you know, what styles have you overlooked or what are you not like? There's double bass, there's jazz, there's country. I mean, it's, it's all in there. The play-alongs are amazing because they're actual full performances that you can kind of use just for practice, or you can just play the songs. That one and his first book, The Nashville
0: Number System, has great play-alongs. So, yeah, that's it for me. That's all I got to I say g- about it. I totally agree. We've we've had actually a couple campers come in and in our nightly sheds use his play-alongs from that book as their like I'm going to play this song tonight. And it yeah. was like I, as soon as they came in, I said dude, where did you get that track? Oh, it's from Jim Riley's book. And I was yeah. like, holy, that was like a real funk tune. Right. Yeah. How is that from Jim Riley's book? And cause I mean, it was like, dude, that was like a real, real funk tune. Yeah. So, and you had said that a long time ago that it's all legit, but it, I've experienced it. I've done the Pepsi challenge. I had the blindfold on. I didn't yeah. know it was from his book. And then I said, where did that track come from? All right. Awesome. Hope that helps Duncan. So let's go into Ryan Halsey. Ryan Halsey.
2: Hi, guys. It's Ryan Halsey here. Um, I'm listening to your podcast at the moment on learning new licks. And
0: Mike mentioned um, about how sometimes it can take four months for the the lick to actually show up naturally in your playing. So I was wondering, after you have spent the initial time learning the lick, is there anything you do to kind of consciously keep practicing it in the hope that it will actually turn up in your playing. I know that I spend a lot of time initially learning a lick or an idea. And then after I've feel like I'm done with it, I end up actually just not using it. And then it doesn't show up in my playing at all. Great question. Uh, first of all, in the future audio questions, let us know, uh, which mic you're talking about. Um, (laughs) Because that's two two questions in a row like Mike said. I'm like, did I say that or did <laughs> like, he say in that? that? In elementary school, I had like four or five Michaels in my class. So it was yeah. Michael D, Michael C, Michael G, Michael A. You know what? I was Mikey J because of that. Wow. My teachers called me Mikey J. And I was like, oh, that's my good. goodness. That's and then good my one. dad was raised in Mexico, so he called me Miguelito. Yeah, uh, right. and then And then my mom called me Michael. And all I wanted was for one freaking person to call me Mike. My name is Mike Johnston. <laughs> Why is this so hard? (laughs) Mikey J. Megalito. Michael. A lot of people think my first name is Dawson
1: because that's how I was called because there were so many Michaels growing up. I was just Dawson.
0: Like, yeah, whatever. Call me that. Yeah, I don't don't care. care. Just I'll turn for one of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I almost died just now. Okay. So uh, (laughs) let me break this down. Uh, First of all, apparently we're doing well in the UK. Based off those last two That's questions. Great. so great. Yeah. Uh, so, Ryan, it's really rare that I actually... When I say I work on a lick, I I think we should expand that a little bit to the fact that I work on a concept that allows a lick to be possible, but it's really rare that I work on a specific succession of 24 notes for 16th note triplets or a 32nd note lick. I work on these concepts that allow those licks and chops and fills to be possible because the last thing I want is to actually predetermine that this lick is going to happen three bars from now or four bars from now. So I think what happens is I hear a chop or a lick from one of my idols. And then the first thing I think is what was that subdivision? And I narrow it down to triplets. And then I think, were there any recognizable patterns inside that thing? And then I I just grab a couple key ingredients that made that person's lick possible And then I start to create a practice routine based off of learning that vocabulary. And I work on that. And then three or four months later, that starts to show up. Uh, I just had my very first YouTube, not YouTube, uh, Instagram (coughs) video. Oh, really? Yeah. Thanks for sending it over. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. It's funny. I know you turned away from your mic. You must be dealing with the same thing. You turned away from your mic that they're hearing. But because I'm hearing you through the Skype mic, it was like right in my face. I know, there's nothing I could do about it. It was awesome. I was trying to swallow it for like the past yeah. five minutes. You're like, it's coming. <clears throat> All right, so um I just had my very first YouTube video show up where singles between hands and feet made it into the video. I've been practicing that for like three years. Yeah, right. But I that was the least important part of the video as I was filming it, but I was like, oh my gosh. I must have been singing in my head and then I sung that sound and it finally physically showed up and it didn't flam. So, I mean, do you have anything else to add to that? No, I mean, <clears throat> it just takes
1: it's just like uh, for me it's like a language you have to learn the word, you have to mm-hmm. force the word into sentences that don't really feel comfortable and then eventually it just becomes a word yeah. that's part of your vernacular. I'm actually doing a lot of the the opposite, removing habits from my plane. I'm discovering things that I do just out of habit and then when I hear it I'm like that sounds not that great why'd I do that And but now I'll do it again so it usually takes like 10 times before my my reflexes just don't go to that thing like there's one yeah. fill that I do a lot where if I'm going down the toms for whatever reason I'll end on like the the last 16th note on the snare like the uh of four okay and it's it's sounds okay but it's really kind of disruptive when you're going back into the groove to have this like accent jumping out on the uh of four right. It just feels natural because my hand's there, and I can kind of end the
0: fill in the home base position. Yeah, I call those get-out-of-jail-free cards. You have like these five get-out-of-jail-free cards that when anything's going a little weird, you just go back to this thing that always works, it always gets <laughs> yeah. you out of trouble, and it's like, cool, everything's fine. I'll always land on the one if I do this. Yeah. There's no guesswork. I'm trying the to other give thing, those away. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I would say, Ryan, is I actually do one thing that I haven't mentioned, which is the last step for me is I, I have probably – five or six really simple songs from artists that I enjoy that are in very very simple 4 to 8 bar phrases as far as the song and I actually put that fill or that idea on every fourth bar and so that because one thing when when you work with a metronome there's so much space and so much room for you to only think about yourself When I have Phil Collins singing in my ear and there's guitar and there's a bass line, you almost forget the idea in the first place because there's so much information coming in. And that's what's happening is you play this thing by yourself flawlessly. You get with your band and you can't remember, does it start with my right? Does it start with my left? So I do put myself in that situation. And as long as you're in the right mindset and you know, I am ruining this song to over practice this idea. I think you'll be okay. If, it, if if you start to make it a habit and then your band's like, Hey, every fourth bar, we don't need to know where the one is. <laughs> it's like, so you have to be in the right mindset when you start it. You know, songs are not musical click tracks, but if, but I like the overabundance of, of audio information coming into my brain so that I can keep track of where I am. So that's one thing I do. So yeah, cool. hope that helps buddy. Let's do uh, one more. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know how to say his name. Chris, Chris,
3: I like it. Maybe he'll say it. Hi, Mike and Mike. This is Chris Eason from Brazil. First of all, I must share a big problem I have. I'm addicted to your podcasts. I probably heard the 57 episodes in the last week and a half. Hearing it in a car, and the restaurants, and it's been really fun. Thank you so much. I was never into podcasts until I found this one, so... Uh, I appreciate the time and effort you guys are giving each week for us and share so much good information. I'm returning into drumming's after 25 years. Yes, that much. And I must be honest, I, I don't know how I could stay away from the drums for so long time. Here in Brazil, 25 years ago, It was really not easy to get learning, good learning books, and it was always necessary to have a good teacher to give you the details on how to study the book. And after those 25 years, I'm absolutely impressed of how the learning technique changed during this time. Maybe the learning technique did not change, I don't know. Maybe nowadays it's easier to get information and this gives you the impression that the learning changed. So it's one of the questions I have. I returned about one and a half year and am still trying to digest the tons of information we can get from the internet. As well as to find a way to organize my routine. Before I stopped to play, um, I played for about six years. So not the beginning anymore, beginner, but... Um, I could say I'm, I'm almost advanced, but very rusty right now. I'm trying to improve my feet while I was downhill player, and I'm changing the technique to uphill, and it's not easy. Uh, when I do the double bass drum strokes, I always note that my downhill rules my playing, and I feel that I, I, I'm struggling much more than I should with the uphill. Do you have any suggestion here? I would like to share about a Brazilian drummer. His name is Kiko Freitas. He impressed me when it comes to samba playing, the Brazilian rhythm playing, and uh, to have an idea on only on his right hand, he plays 135 to 140 beats per minute uh, on 16th notes. It's, it's something unbelievable. Sorry for so much questions and so long question, and thank you. All the best and greetings from Brazil. Bye.
1: So the question is about how he's a heels-down player and he's struggling to make his heels-up playing comfortable. So what right. do we? What advice do we have for that? I mean, it could go back to what we were saying earlier about your seat height, because a lot of times if you're heels-down, guys tend to sit higher. So it could be a matter of just being off balance, maybe lowering the seat to get so he can lift his legs and 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 not feel like he's going to fall yep. forward.
0: Um, I don't know about technique wise. If you have any suggestions, well, one thing I think that that term "heel up" is almost a misnomer because if you were to watch me play and I absolutely play in a heel up position, you would be <clears throat> you would probably even think like your heel's not up. It's it's not like it's up like I'm wearing high heel shoes or I'm on my toes. Yeah. It maybe my heel is an inch off the ground at the most. It's it's what's driving the pedal forward. Heel down, it's your ankle. Your ankle is making that pedal move back and forth. And with heel up position, your hip flexor is actually what's driving it for the most part. Then there's a little bit of ankle for for, you know, touch, but it's so it really I, I would say Just decide right away, Chris, are you playing with the ball of your foot, the front of your foot? Is that where the Genesis is? Or are you just playing heel down? So doing it is about all you can do. And the the reason I know that is because I recently went through that when I switched to the 20-inch bass drum. And I wasn't putting as many pillows in the bass drum. And there was a discernible difference between playing off the head and burying the beater. I buried the beater my entire life. All of a sudden, I had this beautiful drum that sounded better when you didn't bury the beater. And I had to relearn how to play, especially in a heel-up position. And all I can tell you is I just practiced really hard. I never even looked down. I just kept trying to do it. And it felt awkward, and it felt awkward. And then tomorrow, it didn't feel quite as awkward in six weeks from now. And then all of a sudden, I don't even know how to not do it anymore. I just can do it. Yeah. Uh, so I think doing it is, is the key. <clears throat> do you find that you anchor your balance on your left foot more? A little bit, but I, I, I play constant eighth notes with the back of my left foot. That never stops. Yeah. Um, so, and I've, I've worked really hard to be able to do that and have it not affect the tension of the hi-hat. So I have enough pressure that I can play constant 16th notes on the hi-hat with my hand while stomping eighth notes with the back of my foot and the tension doesn't have any audio difference or any. Sound difference. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it, it comes down to what, what we probably said
1: last week. You just have to you have to build the muscles. I think it's you have to give your body cause it. If you look at a drummer who's been playing for thirty years, they have some f- kind of freakish muscles in their legs, like the yeah. the front of the shin is always like a this strangely large muscle,
0: overdeveloped.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's just really weird. Yeah. And and you're talking about the hip flexor. I mean, if you're not used to using that a lot, I think you got to just. When would give you it use sense. it?
0: Yeah, it's got to grow. It's got to it's got to morph to your technique. You know what, Chris, I do have one exercise that will help you a lot, and that is to get in heel up position, put a stick on your chest, and just hold it to your chest with your finger, and start playing a samba ostinato. And if you can keep that stick from moving at all while holding it to the front of your chest, then you'll know your height and your posture is correct. If your seat is too low or you're leaning too far forward, that stick's going to start moving on you. And if you lean too far back, you're going to have to go side to side with it. But if you can just sit perfectly, you should be able to play a samba ostinato feet uh, in heel-up position while holding a, a stick to the middle of your chest, pointed directly at your chest, and that stick shouldn't move at all. And then you'll know you have a really good posture on the drum set. Awesome. So hopefully okay. that helps. Cool. That's it for right.
1: questions. So if you have any audio, we have two more that we'll, we'll throw in next time, but please keep them coming, uh, mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. It's probably time for us to pick our contest winner. Bring it! So we got tons of entries. Everyone really. Everyone got the word correctly. We had different people spelling it. The most, actually, majority were the one word "Van Cleef," as you instructed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sweet. Some people hedged their bets and, and sent it both ways with the space and without the space. Nice. So we narrowed it down. We got a ton of, of entries, but I narrowed it down to 150. So, really? you're going to have them in random order. So, okay. you can just pick a number between 1 and 150, and All that right. will be our winner. 86. 86. All right. Why don't you go into your pick of the week while I count okay. down to 86? Oh, I'm so
0: sorry, dude. <laughs> Clearly, we did not plan this ahead of time. <laughs> oh, man. I thought it'd be just like, okay, while he's finding number 86, my pick of the week is 1 what? 2 3. All right. four. Fine. <laughs> 11 no 86 you got to do it put it in the work man all right well he's fine that my pick of the week is exactly what made the intro sound the way it did which is it's called the monster extreme dynamic processor so it's from slate digital i know this is like the third or fourth time that i've mentioned slate digital i am not affiliated with them in any way um i actually have a hard time getting through their commercials sometimes so i'm not a huge fan of this uh i'm not i'm not endorsed by them in any ways. I'm actually a huge fan of the product. These plugins are fantastic, and they really appeal to the part of me that likes when people put a lot of attention into UI user interface. Um, The the design on these is just incredible. So this is sometimes when you want to over compress things, it actually is kind of hard with a normal compressor. Sometimes it won't get to that completely squashed level. It just, the compressor doesn't go that far. This thing, as soon as you put it on, uh, it's it's squashed and it gives you that sound that you heard in the intro. So, uh, I believe if you have the virtual um, rack system or the virtual mix rack, which I have, I think these plugins are probably about $100 a piece. So, I have the virtual preamps, I have the virtual tape machine and then my most recent one is called the Monster Extreme Dynamic Processor and I couldn't be happier with it. So, it's a, it's uh, let's see. It's all based off of FET FET vintage compressors, um, and yeah, it's pretty amazing. The other thing, guys, is you can try all of this stuff for free. Uh, all of their plugins are totally free to try, and I think you get maybe a week of free time with it. Mm. So yeah, so so give it a go. And they are they're on their website. They have a fantastic website as well there are instructional videos on, on how to use all of these things, because one of the worst things that you can do is buy this expensive stuff. And then just hoping that by turning a knob, you'll know what it does. It really helps if they tell you what you're actually doing while turning those knobs. So that is the monster extreme dynamic processor from slate digital. What is yours, buddy? My pick, oh, will we- you get a winner? <clears throat> yeah, we'll, uh, I'll,
1: I'll announce it after my pick. So it is, <laughs> I have to double check my counting here. Uh, my pick of the week. I've been I've been an on and off uh, meditation practitioner for twenty years. So, okay, and I'd never been able to just commit and just say go sit by yourself and, and meditate for ten minutes. So I, I I wanted to find an app that would kind of give me an excuse and and, and something to turn on and have it be my my uh, meditation guide. So there's a it's called Headspace. It's a free app uh, initially, and then. I think if you want to stick with it, it's a subscription service. But they give you 10 days. So it's like a 10-day intro to meditation. It's not like all new-agey, spacey, granola or anything like that. It's, right. a, it's a British guy just kind of explaining the, the idea of meditation. He just guides you through it. Um, it's only 10 minutes a day. Wow. So I've been, I'm have been i on day six of getting back into it. And it really does, even just 10 minutes in the morning before I do anything else, it just kind of sets me in a good good headspace
0: for yeah. lack of a better Yeah, sounds term. like a nice a nice refresh, um, especially even if it wasn't in the beginning of the day, if it was when you, you just couldn't handle the day anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of uh,
1: sets in. And, and I, I, I've tried, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on Spotify, but so much of it is, is kind of new agey, and, and I've, the music is just so kind of cheesy, right? ambient <laughs> stuff. This is not. It's literally just a guy saying, you know, just focus on your breathing, Focus on, you know, the, the sounds around you. It just takes you through the steps. Super easy. You cool. don't really need it after ten days. So if you don't want to subscribe, I don't think you really would need to, but it does give you that extra push of like, hey, you haven't logged in today, you might want to try your you know, sitting right. down for ten minutes. So it's called Headspace. It's on iTunes, I'm sure it's on Google Play and everything else. All wow. right, so I the it. winner of the Modern Drummer subscription and a Modern Drummer stick bag full of Vader. Uh, Mike Johnson's signature sticks is drum roll.
0: I can't even pronounce his name. Andy Bashir. <laughs> Andy Bashir. That's my my, my man. I've, I've never met him, never heard of his name, but I love it. B i s h
1: i r. I'll be emailing you. Well, I guess I'll wait till when the show is
0: out. I'll email you. Yeah. Um, I, to get your address i guarantee that i pick the winner that costs you guys the most in shipping he probably lives Guaranteed. in indonesia or something yeah. G- dude yes <laughs> but it's in a place where it's undeliverable unless you have like <laughs> four by four trucks and uh so andy congratulations for being number 86 congratulations buddy. everyone else that entered please uh we're going to do this probably every other week so get ready
1: for the next one um, whoa we that's, don't.
0: A- that's awesome sorry <laughs> I mean maybe you could just run this stuff by me you don't just start making executive decisions on our podcast the hell man <laughs> well
1: you know sometimes well, you got we have a whole is- slew we got like pallets of Modern Drummer Festival DVDs that we're going to be including oh, awesome. in the giveaway so we got all the years of that to cool. start giving away we make do some more sticks we've got plenty of stick bags cool.
0: So, and I'm going to be giving away a Mike Dawson Slingerland snare drum how do you feel about that <laughs> <laughs> You can that's have it. You can take that aluminum one. It sounds like crap anyway. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to let the campers in. Buddy, have an amazing week. You too. And then you know what? When I see you next week, we get one bingo word off of the table. No more camp for the no rest of the year. No more camps.
1: Yes. Yeah. We'll get back
0: in, to – actually, we have to talk about Mark Giuliano's book probably next week. Definitely. <laughs> I know. I, I think we're almost like purposely – I don't want to make it a pick of the week because sm- that's too small for it. It needs its own feature. Yeah, we should so, do that. Okay, perfect. Let's do that next week. Buddy, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya. Bye, everybody.